Test, test. you're breaking it down and all of the lies that echo my past you're breaking them down yes you're breaking them down all of my sin it's clouding my mind you're breaking it down yes you're breaking it down and all of the lies that speak from my past, you're breaking them down. You are awakening me, Lord. You are awakening me, Lord. I feel you. Yes, I feel you healing me, oh Lord. 
hearts of our homes, in the hearts of our families, we need you. We need Jesus. In the hearts of our homes, in the hearts of our families. Good evening, everyone. Good to see you. Welcome to worship tonight. Uh, my name is Aaron Rosen. I'm one of the pastors here at Faith. It is so good to welcome you. If you're here in person or joining us online today, we are truly blessed that you are here with us today. We're uh, continuing in our Lenten season. The season of Lent is a time when we especially reflect on our need for a Savior and Jesus, um, recognizing our sinfulness, brokenness, and uh, coming back to God. And our series during this Lent season is called Repent. We're talking about that process of turning from our sin and turning back to God. So we'll get in that, into that a little bit today in the fourth piece of that, that series, Repent. This is also a, a service of Holy Communion. So we'll be celebrating the Lord's Supper a little bit later in our service. We believe that we are very much in need of God's grace, which he gives to us in the very body and blood of Christ in, with, and under the bread and the wine. We call that real presence. And he gives that to us so that he might forgive us through this meal. And that is our, that is our faith, that the Holy Spirit is at work in the, the bread and the wine and the Holy Communion to bring us the body and blood of Christ for our forgiveness. If that's your belief as well, then we invite you to join us a little bit later in our service as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. This is also the third weekend of the month, the third weekend of the month. A lot of you know we like to give away a portion of our offering, um, what we call our loose plate or loose basket offering. We give away. Um, this month, we're giving that to our comfort dog ministry. You might not know this, but um, our comfort dog ministry budget is separate from our church's budget. That's not because we don't support Hagar and our Comfort Dog ministry, quite the opposite. It's very much a big part of our ministry here at Faith, but by design, we have that separate. And um, so we like to support the, the ministry of Hagar um, as much as we can. So our loose basket offering, our loose plate offering will go to that ministry this month. Um, if you like to give a little extra, um, anything that's not sp specifically designated to faith or inside of an envelope, then that'll be given to our Comfort Dog Ministry this week. All right, I'm going to hand it over to Dane and Kane, who is here leading us in worship, and to our band as we sing. I invite you to stand as we rejoice in the Lord.
worship the Lord to remember all of the joy yet to come. The hope that burns within us, the dark cannot destroy. With praise that's never ending, we say again, rejoice. With each breath he's given, praise the Lord. In these times we live in, we will praise the Lord. Throughout every season, I am sure we have every reason to praise the Lord. We have every reason to praise the Lord. We do have every reason to praise the Lord for all that he has done on our behalf. He sent his son Jesus to rescue us from our own sin and from death, from, from the power of the devil. He has given us new life and hope for an eternal future. We have every reason to rejoice. At the same time, we recognize that we are very much broken. We are, as our next song is gonna talk about, we are dust. And we are in need of God raising us up out of the dust. In ourselves, we are riddled with a disease that is called sin. All the greed and lust, selfishness, all that sin has left us in the dust. Now we're talking about repentance in this season. Repentance uh, is a, a recognition that we have fallen, it is a regret over that fallenness and a desire to turn back to God. If you were with us a couple weeks ago, I talked about as we regret our sin, it's very much like those who mourn the death of a loved one. We mourn over our sin before the Lord. The Old Testament talks about this uh, in numerous places where the people who or who recognized their, their sinfulness, actually came to God and repented in sackcloth and ashes, in the dust. They spread the dust and the ashes on their bodies as a, as a symbol of their grief so that they eventually might be washed clean and brought out of the dust by the grace of God. So as we sing this next song, we, we reflect on the, the need for God to raise us up out of the dust and come to him in humility, pleading for his forgiveness. Lord, have mercy on This world's disease of taking what 
You have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. God of mercy and grace, come to the help of your people and turn us from our sin to live for you alone. Give us the power of your Holy Spirit that we may confess our sin, receive your forgiveness, and grow into the fullness of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord.
And we pray, gracious God, have mercy on us. We confess that we have turned from you and given in to the power of sin. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. In your compassion, forgive us our sins, known and unknown, things we have done and things we have failed to do. Turn us again to you and uphold us by your spirit so that we may live and serve you in newness of life through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. As we come to God in humility and in our brokenness, as we, metaphorically, we come to him in, in dust and ashes in our repentance, God is pleased to show his mercy. In fact, we have the, the assurance from the scriptures that God is close to the brokenhearted. And to all those who are brokenhearted over sin, he lifts us up out of the ashes out of the dust and gives us new life in Christ. It's my privilege as one of your pastors to announce God's grace to you, to assure you that you are forgiven in the name of Jesus, amen. Let's sing.
Father, you knew us before we were born, and even now you know what it is in our hearts and on our minds before we utter a single word. On my heart, imprint your image, blessed Jesus, King of grace, that life's riches, cares, and pleasures never may your work erase. Let the clear inscription be, Jesus crucified for me is my life, my hope's foundation, and my glory and salvation. Amen. The first reading is from Psalm 141, and we uh, hear these words of David's prayer. O Lord, I call to you, come quickly to me. Hear my voice when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Let not my heart be drawn to what is evil, to take part in wicked deeds with men who are evildoers. Let me not eat of their delicacies. Our second reading is from Colossians chapter 3, where Paul writes, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, 
For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now for the reading of the gospel, I invite you to stand as we hear from our Lord in John chapter 8. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. It can kill you every time. A grown man can stand in and feel like his knees become jello at the very sight of it. It's completely intimidating. All it has to do is make its presence known and you can be defeated. 
every single time. What is it that wrecks men's souls, <laughs> brings people to their knees, and can make you a professional loser? A curveball. A curveball or a sidewinder, a snake, another couple names for in baseball lingo, a pitch that looks like it's coming straight at you, but then curves away at the last moment. Now, when you have something that's a projectile coming 80 miles an hour at your head, what do you do? You duck, yeah, or you jump out of the way. But a good curveball when it's thrown, just about eight feet or so away from the batter will curve down and go directly over the middle of the plate. So while you're jumping out of the way, the ball is going over the plate and the umpire calls, strike! And this can drive coaches absolutely crazy from high school up to the pros. Because when you get someone on the opposing team who can throw a good curveball and it gets people ducking or moving out of the box, then you have guys who, uh, who are history, right? They strike out. So coaches are always saying, look, it's not actually gonna hit you. It's all in your, you say it with me, head, right? It's all in your head. Curveball gets in your head. It, gets, it messes with your mind. So standing in the box and putting the ball in play takes a change of thinking, a change in your mind. We might call it a, a checkup from the neck up. Right? That's what we're going to call it, a checkup from the neck up. Well, this, the series that we're in right now is all about that, a checkup from the neck up. That is a change in our mind. During the season of Lent, as I mentioned, we're in a series called Repent. And repent is, um, is all about turning back to God. Now, you have to understand that in the New Testament, the word repentance is an English translation for a Greek word, metanoia. Metanoia. Metanoia is a compound word from meta which means to change, like metamorphosis is to change form. But this is metanoia. Noia is the mind or thinking or understanding. So when you get metanoia, it's a change in thinking, a change in your mind, right? This is, this is what metanoia is all about. Now, really quickly, let me give you a, a sort of a signpost, if you will, of where we are in our series. So we're in the fourth week of our series, Repent. We've been talking about three weeks ago, we started off by um, talking about reflecting on our lives compared to what God calls us to be. So reflecting on our lives and understanding that we are very much <laughs> not living up to what God calls us to reflecting on that. There's a certain recognition, right, in that, that God calls us to go that way, but we're really going that way. Okay, so the reflection on where we are. Two weeks ago, 
we use the word regret, which is the sorrow. Some might call it contrition. I'm sorry that I'm going the wrong direction and I regret it. This is where we talked about uh, in mourning, like in sackcloth and ashes, in grief that we are not going the way God calls us to. Last week, we talked about reversing. So if I'm going away from God, then I turn course. This is, this is the metanoia. This is changing my mind. This is turning away from the things of the world to the things of God. It's, it's an, an about face, right? About face. Now, in fact, in the Hebrew of the Old Testament, there are a couple words that are translated repentance into English. And one of those words is shuv, which simply means to turn or to return. It's exactly what we're talking about with repentance. But turning back to God is not the end of repentance. Repentance would be incomplete if it's just about, okay, recognizing it, regretting it, and turning back to God. That's, it's incomplete if it's just that. So a certain pastor friend of mine, let's just call him Pastor Stan, okay? Uh, <laughs> Pastor Stan has acknowledged numerous times his mindset when he was in college. Now, I'm not really breaking any confidence because he's actually preached this several times here at Faith. Um, but Pastor Stan uh, used to go to church on Sunday mornings while he was in college after a couple of nights of partying and drinking. Not exactly what he should have been doing. But he came to church and repented with every intention of going back the next weekend to the same parties. Now, because he is way more mature than he was in his college days, Pastor Stan <laughs> will um, tell you that that was totally wrong. Don't follow that example. Don't just turn in repentance with every intention that you're just gonna go back to what you were doing before, your old ways. That's not real repentance. Now, to, to be clear, <laughs> There, there is a difference, right? We can recognize that I have every intention of going God's way, but then at the same time, my spirit is willing, my flesh is weak. Jesus says this in Matthew 26. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. And there are times I, with, against every intention, I backslide and turn back to my old ways. As Paul says, the, what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the what I do is the evil I don't want to do, right? So Paul recognizes, Jesus recognizes, yes, we're going to keep turning back because we are still sinful in this world. But being resolute and then backsliding because the weakness of our flesh into drinking or pornography or greed or selfishness or anything else that trips us up, right? That, that returning to that is very different then sort of turning to God with a half-hearted repentance with the intention of, yeah, well, I know there's a lot of grace for me, so I'll just go back to what I was doing before without a, any intention to change. That's not real repentance. 
So what we're talking about today is really the next step in the motion of repentance. Uh, and that is of removing all the junk that keeps pulling us back. So there's a recognition, uh, a reflection on where we are compared to where, where God would have us be. There's a regret over that. There's a reversal, a ter- turning, and then there's a removing of the other junk. If you are not in the habit of reading the daily devotions that Faith Lutheran puts out each week. We have devotions Monday through Saturday each week. If you missed this week or you're just not in the habit of doing this, may I recommend to you the devotions that were written this last week. I mean, they weren't written this week, but they were there for us. You can get them on our mobile app. You can get them on our website, faithfoxvalley.org. Let me say that again, faithfoxvalley.org. You can find our devotions on there. This week, those devotions were written by Ben Sherbarth. Ben Sherbarth is right there. <laughs> hey, Ben. He's one of our, he's one of our volunteer leaders, a uh, great teacher, and he writes really wonderful devotions. And this week, he had really a great way of breaking down one of the readings that we had this week, Colossians chapter 3, and what it is that we need to remove. But I, I, I wanted to mention the devotions because Ben used... Uh, a really powerful image in his first devotion this week on Monday, which talked about removing rocks from the fields before they get plowed and planted for the season. And I actually have a good friend uh, who's a classmate at the seminary who grew up in Minnesota, and he always joked about the fact that he was really a rock farmer. Because every year he would have to go out and he would just ride it with his brother on the wagon behind the tractor and they would just jump down and pick up these big rocks, you know, with the freeze-thaw cycle that we have in Minnesota, Wisconsin. Then the, the movement of the earth just sort of gets these rocks and they, they, they move up to the surface over the winter. And so in the spring, they would have to pick up these big rocks and boulders and get them out of the field because before... You have to get them out of the way before you bring in the, the plows and the planters because you'll tear up your equipment. You just destroy what you need. And then there's not room for the seed to go in and then to sprout up because the rocks are there. And so, so, and many reasons. So take this image of the rocks being removed from the field. If you want a well-cultivated field, if you want a, a field of your life that is in order and cultivated, then you need to do some work of actually getting rid of those rocks and boulders that are gonna trash up the works and keep the seed from bearing fruit. Now, Paul, to go to Colossians chapter three, when he says, set your minds, right? We're talking about the noia, the metanoia, the change of our minds. When you set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now, Paul uses a couple other images. One of those images, he says, verse five, put to death. That's the image that Paul uses here. Put to death whatever belongs to the earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. He said, you used to live in these ways But now you must rid yourselves of all such things such as these, like anger. I'm I'm pausing there for a reason. 
Like rid yourselves of these things like anger. And I pause there because that is a real problem for some people. Anger gets the best of them over and over and over. And rage, malice, which is actually a desire for people to be harmed, slander, filthy language. And someone might say, well, filthy language, no big deal. No, Paul is saying, big deal. You know, what you're allowing to come out of your mouth is actually a reflection of what's in your heart. So this is a big deal. And he says, put those things to death. The anger and rage and filthy language, put it to death. The second image that Paul uses, he says, you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. So it's, it's like, clean clothes and dirty clothes. You've taken off the dirty stuff and you've put on clean clothes. Um, a few weeks ago, I was, uh, I was a chaperone for a group of eighth grade boys. And we stayed all week in this one cabin room. I mean, we slept there. We did other things in other rooms, but it was like, it's the bunk room. And you ever spend a week with a bunch of eighth grade boys? Whew. It was foul. <laughs> Get rid of the dirty, foul stuff, Paul says. You've put that off. Put on the new self. Now, th this brings me to a, the first of two points that I really want to make and finish up with, two points to consider when we are doing the work of removing the impurities, putting to death the desires of our earthly nature. Number one, recognize that we have a real enemy who wants to attack and discourage us. We have a real enemy who wants to discourage us. There's, a, there's an old Garfield comic strip. <laughs> Anyone follow Garfield? Garfield, this one, one uh, particular scene is sort of resting all droopy-eyed in his bed, and he's thinking to himself, and one of my pet peeves is people who never finish what they start. And then he cracks a smile and says, I don't happen to be one of those people. My philosophy is never start anything. <laughs> well, that's kind of the devil's philosophy too. Don't really start anything. You know, go ahead and declare the truth, defend the truth, but don't actually live the truth. Don't actually do the work of, don't seek victory over anger. Don't seek victory over greed. Don't seek victory over those things of the earthly flesh that keep pulling us back. The devil would just say, never start it. You're never gonna be perfect, so why even bother? We have a real enemy who likes to discourage us. But, this is the second part of that same point, we also have a real helper who continually empowers us in this struggle. We have been given the Holy Spirit of God. 
And Paul says, where the spirit is, there is freedom. And we are being transformed into the likeness of the Lord with ever increasing glory, which is a way of saying day by day, every single day, God is working by his Holy Spirit to make us a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. Yes, we'll fail. Yes, we'll need to continue to come back to God and his grace and his mercy. But God by his spirit is continually, isn't it great that we have a helper in the Holy Spirit? Yes. And the fruit of the spirit, as Galatians 5 says, it is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Paul says something very similar in uh, Colossians 3, right? Uh, put on the new self, which is humility and gentleness and patience, forgive one another. And over all these virtues, put on love. Spirit of God is at work in us, continually molding us, shaping us into the likeness of Jesus. So give thanks that at least we have this helper in the fight. Now, the second point to wrap up, recognize the proper source of our repentance. I, I, I don't... I don't repent in order that I'm gonna win favor with God. I, I repent because I already have favor with God. There's, there's a proper sequence that goes with this. So as Romans chapter two says, God's kindness leads us to repentance. Or we saw this in John eight, a story of this woman who's brought by the religious leaders to the feet of Jesus and made to stand there in her adultery. Never mind the guy that was also in adultery, not brought before him. That's a whole nother story. But after everybody leaves, Jesus doesn't say that she's forgiven because of her repentance or her change in her lifestyle. Jesus says, I don't condemn you. That's first. First comes the forgiveness. And then now leave your life of sin. The change and the removal of sin comes because we've been given mercy. Paul goes on like this in, um, in Romans chapter 12. He says, I urge you in view of God's mercy. This is, uh, by the way, after... 11 chapters of Romans where Paul has talked about how we are made right with God, not because of anything we do, but because of his mercy. So therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. In view of God's mercy, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? This is about repentance. God has already shown his mercy, and our repentance is a, re, is a response to it. It's a, a change that we make because of God and his goodness. And finally, back to Colossians 3. All this talk of setting our minds on things above and putting to death the things of the earthly nature and putting on the new self, all that comes out of this. You have been raised with Christ. You died with Christ and you've been raised with him. Not because of anything you've done, but because of his mercy. 
And now your true life, your true life is not really what is happening here in the world, but your true life is hidden with Christ in God. It's already been given to you, eternal life. You just don't know it yet by sight. You know it by faith. It's hidden from sight in Christ with God. And we just long for that to be on display. It's already been given to you as a gift. So now you haven't been given approval, live it, live it, amen? Our band is coming up now to lead us in our, our next song. And while we're, uh, while we're singing, we'll also collect our offering to the Lord, recognizing that everything we have is from him. In his grace, he has given us in abundance more than we deserve and even more than we need. So we give back a portion of that for the work of his kingdom. So we do that now, bringing our offerings to him.
Our gracious Father, we come to you at the foot of the cross and lay down all of our cares and burdens at that place where the Lamb laid down his life. And we trust that you hear us for our Lord's sake as we come to you with our brokenness, with our joys and our celebrations, and also with our need for your help. In all those places, Lord, where we again and again are trapped and pulled away from your ways by our sinful desires, our greeds, our lusts, our selfishness and pride. God, would you work mightily by your Holy Spirit to help us remove every obstacle, to remove those stubborn places of stronghold where the enemy continues to attack. God, work to remove and dissolve and crush each one of those places that makes us stumble and fall again and again. God, we also lift up to you our prayers on behalf of those who are in need of your healing. We bring to you the concerns of our brothers and sisters in Christ, like Cheryl Brown, who will be having surgery on Monday, and Jerry Reichert, who is recovering after a fall. We pray for Cy Worcester as he's recovering after heart surgery, and Terry Sievert as she is recovering after heart procedure. We pray that you would bring healing and restoration in their bodies, but most especially we pray that their faith would be strong and that you would continue that work of transforming their minds 
to focus and set their sights on what is above and not things here below. We also pray with sympathy for the family of Bob Axon who was called to your presence this week. We pray that in their grief, they would know the comfort of the resurrection, the promise of eternal life and a reunion with our loved ones, which is yet before us in your time. Lord, we pray your mercy upon Bob's family to bring comfort to them as they navigate this valley of the shadow of death. And we pray, come quickly, Lord, to restore all creation the way it was meant to be with no more mourning or crying or shame, no more pain. God, we also celebrate today with those who are remembering your special blessings. And today we are thankful for John and Jenny Mendoza, who are celebrating 48 years together as husband and wife, and Jerry and Joyce Reichert, who are celebrating 62 years together. Lord, we pray that you would uh, continue to mold us as we continue to come to you in faith and as we come to your table of mercy tonight. We pray your blessing as we receive the body and blood of Christ that your Holy Spirit would renew us and reform us, strengthen us for that battle against our sinful flesh and our very real enemy who wants to crush and destroy us and discourage us. We come to you, Father, in the name of Jesus. And now as he taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For those of you who are at home today uh, worshiping with us, I invite you now to take and eat, take and drink the body and blood of Christ. For those of you who are here in person, I invite you to turn to your neighbors and greet one another in the peace of the Lord.
May this body and blood of our Lord Jesus continue to strengthen you in faith. Know that you are forgiven. Go in peace. Amen. Please stand. Now, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon, his, upon you with his favor and give you his peace. And let all God's people say, Amen.
for me.